Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Great. I'm glad to hear that. Well, if I haven't had a chance to personally meet you yet, if you're our guest here this morning, if it's your first time, my name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC, and we're so excited that you're worshiping with us. As my wife Sarah mentioned, we're a church that's passionate about making people in places new, and we're glad that you're here with us this morning. And we're in our fifth week of this series called James. We've been walking through this book of the New Testament together and looking at what God wants to speak to us through this book of the Bible. And James, the writer of this book, does a great job of just talking about essentials of the faith, things that we need in our everyday life. You know, there's things that you use every single day, probably don't even think about them, but you need them in order to get to work, your wallet, something that you use in your workplace or at school or any of those things. Um, There are things that are essential to our life. And James talks about that in a spiritual aspect. What are the things in our walk with God that are vital that we need as a part of our everyday life. And so we've spent the past number of weeks just looking at this. And we've looked at the book to kind of better understand what James is wanting to share with the people that he's writing to. And so some of the stuff that we've talked about is James was written just 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So not too much time has passed there. And he's writing to the church. Christianity started in Jerusalem, but then it spread throughout the entire Roman Empire And James, as a pastor of the church in Jerusalem, he's writing to the Christians, not only there, but all throughout the Roman Empire, reminding them, hey, it's going to get difficult at times. They were facing persecution. They were facing a culture that didn't agree with what they believed in. And he's writing to them, reminding them, don't give up on your faith. Don't throw in the towel. Don't just take the easy way out and just start to adapt to the culture. Live a life that represents Christ. Live a life that's an example of who Jesus is to the world around you. And so we've been walking through these different passages of James together and allowing God's word to speak to us even all of these thousands of years later. And as we've been doing this, looking on Sunday mornings at different parts of the book of James, we've been reading it together throughout the week. So I hope you've been doing this with us. It's really simple. We're going to do it again this week, but just five chapters in the book of James. So that's Monday through Friday, just one chapter a day. And as we've read it over and over again, it's getting deeper and deeper inside of us. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing new things that I've read James a number of times, but God's speaking to me on a deeper level of some of these things. So I want to encourage you, even if you haven't done it the past few weeks, jump in with us this week. Monday, we're going to start again chapter one and allow God to speak to you through his word what it is that he wants to say. And so we've looked at a number of the different chapters in the book of James. We started the first week with this idea that your pain has purpose. God takes the difficult things in your life and he turns them around. He does something with them. We looked the second week at how your faith needs action. The third week, um, your words have power. Last week, we talked about how your heart needs guarding. And this week, we were looking at a message called Your Wealth Can Wreck You. If you guys have seen the bumper, you've seen that kind of at the end, the text going by there. As I've been reading through the book of James, I felt like God shifted this last message that um, I I wanted to share. So I had that message all prepared, and halfway through the week, God said, hey, I want you to look at how James closes out the letter. 
And so that's what we're going to do this morning. James ends this letter writing to the church about prayer. So if you're taking notes, and I want to encourage you to do that this morning, you can write down, this is the title of today's message. We're going to look at this. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are powerful. This is how James chooses to end the book that he's writing to the church and to Christians spread out all throughout the Roman Empire. He's reminding them, your prayers are powerful. The need for prayer in our life and how we should pray is how he closes this book. Now, I've mentioned um, in different of my messages before how I grew up in church. During part of my high school years, I walked away from God. But for the majority of my life, I've spent that in church, which meant even as a little kid, I was in church services just like this. And the church that I grew up in, we had two services, but not like a 930 and 11. We had a Sunday morning service, and then you'd come back at night for kind of a different service. How many of you guys remember that? Some of you that grew up in church, you may remember that. And so as a little kid, I was in preschool and elementary age. We lived in Oklahoma, and this happened a lot. But as a kid, it was hard to sit through two services on a Sunday. And so halfway through the service, I would, the evening service, I would crawl up underneath the pews, which were the hard wooden benches that churches used to have, and I would go to sleep, okay? Please don't do that during the middle of my message, but I was a little kid, okay? So that's what I would do. Now, I remember one service, we had a guest speaker, and so this was a different guy, not our normal pastor. It seemed like he was just preaching forever, and I, as a four-year-old, had had it, okay? So I crawled up underneath the front aisle there. We were sitting on the front row, and I kind of curled up in a ball, and I started to fall asleep, and I was in that state where I was halfway awake and halfway asleep. I could kind of hear what the guy was saying, but I was starting to doze off, and all of a sudden, he was reading a passage out of the Bible. I didn't know that. I could just hear what he said. He makes this statement which is something that the Apostle Paul, another writer in the New Testament, says, I'm glad that I pray in the Spirit more than all of you, and I hear this guy say this. And as a four-year-old, I bolt awake, and I jump up, and once again, I'm right there in the front row. I run up right to the stage. I point at him in the face, and I yell out loud, you don't pray more than my dad does. And the entire church just says that. They bust out laughing. My parents are freaking out on the front row, and Man, I want this guy to know, so I say it again. I bet you don't pray more than my dad does. He prays a lot, and my parents are grabbing me. Aaron, come back. Come sit down. Come sit down, and and everything. But I had heard this guy say this, and it just lit something inside of me, right? That little kid that thinks your dad is the best, but I actually grew up in a house where my parents modeled that in front of us. It's the reason why I made that statement is because my parents always showed us the importance of prayer. And what prayer does, the change that it can have, the the effects. I remember seeing my dad as a pastor, him praying for people when we lived in Arkansas and a guy getting out of a wheelchair and walking down the aisle that couldn't walk. I, I I was a firsthand witness of the power of prayer. But the people that James are writing to, they don't have that legacy. And there may be those of you in this room, you didn't grow up in that type of household. But James is reminding us through this letter that he's writing that your prayers are powerful, church. Your prayers are powerful. They make a difference. There's something powerful when we join with God, when we begin to talk with God about what's going on in our life. And James doesn't want the church to forget this. This is vitally important. So these are the last words he's going to write to them about how they should pray and what their prayer does. So if you have your Bibles, turn this morning to James chapter 5. We're going to start reading here at verse 13, James chapter 5, verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you. And it may be one seat over, but I want to encourage you, take out that Bible in the seat in front of you. You can turn to page 588 in that Bible, and you can look, um, follow along with us as we read through what James is writing at the close of this letter. James 5.13, this is what he says. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. 
James is saying, hey, you got stuff going on in your life. It's difficulty. Take it to God. You got difficult things in your life. Take it before God. Talk to God about it. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Not just physical healing, but that spiritual, emotional, mental healing that sin breaks us down and that prayer offers that healing um, in our, not only in our physical bodies. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. I want you to underline that in your Bible. Even if you grabbed one of those Bibles from the seat in front of you, underline that right there. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruits. What is James saying? He said, you got something going on in your life? You know of a need in someone else's life? Pray. Something's taking place. Pray. Talk to God about that. Bring that before God. Be in this conversation with God. Pray, pray, pray. No matter what's taking place in your life, pray about it. Talk with God about it. Bring it before God. And so this is the final reminder that James gives him as he's closing out this book. This is essential to your faith. Something's taking place. You have stuff going on. Pray about what is taking place inside of your life. Now, in a church like this, there's a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds. So some of you, maybe you're like me and you grew up in church. And others of you, maybe this is the first church you've ever come to. And maybe you were an adult before you started coming and before you gave your life to Christ. For some of you in the room, you come from different church backgrounds. You may come from a Catholic background or Baptist or Presbyterian. I know we have all different kinds of people that God has brought together here in this church. So I want to make sure we all have this same general understanding of what prayer is as we start off this morning. What James is talking about, what he's reminding the church of pray, 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 is simply this right here. It's that prayer is a conversation with God. Very simple. Prayer is not saying these specific words in this specific order. Prayer is just this conversation that happens between you and God. He's a relational God. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to know what's going on in your life. So that's what prayer is. It's this two-part conversation that happens between you and God. Now, if you grew up as a kid learning certain prayers, it doesn't really convey that idea. Like you learn prayers like, Um, God is great, God is good, now I thank him for my food, amen, right? Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Man, that's a very deathly prayer, isn't it, for a little kid to have to say? I mean, that's kind of daunting right there, okay? But that's what we teach our kids to pray, pray things like that. And when you pray things like that, it's not bad, but you never stop in that prayer to actually listen to God. Prayer is a two-way conversation. That means there has to be some point in that prayer where you're not talking, but where you're listening. And we grow up in our adult life and we take that same attitude. Prayers where I come and I give my order to God. It's kind of like a drive-through window, right? I come on Sunday morning or I come at the start of my day and I place my order. God, I want this, I want this. Hold off on this, God, I don't want that. Hold the mayo and the pickles. Okay, but I want this and I want this. And it's like the drive-through window. We don't ever know if we, God really got that, right? Like you pull up to the drive-through window and it's like, <laughs> you can't understand it, Right? We can hear a man on the moon. We can't hear the guy 30 feet from us on the drive-thru intercom, right? Okay, and that's how we assume prayer is. 
God, I don't know if you heard that. I don't understand what you've got going on there. So I hope you got my order and we drive through with our life or the rest of our week hoping that he got it right. And that's how we come to prayer. But that's not what prayer is, church. See, prayer requires at some point that you stop talking, that I stop talking. And that I've given God what's going on in my life. As James says, are you suffering? Are you going through something? Bring it to prayer. So I've brought God my request. But then I stop, church, and I'm quiet. I'm silent, and I begin to listen. God, what is it that you want to say? I told you what I'm going through. God, what is it that you want to say? Lord, I'm asking for this, and that's God's chance to respond. Hey, Aaron, you're my son, and I want to give you every good thing. But I'm saying no right now because I've got something better over here for you. Aaron, you're asking for direction, and let me give you my wisdom. Let me show you what I think of this situation. Let me show you what's going on and and what I see. I see a much bigger picture than you do, so let me share with you what it is that I want to tell you. See, whenever I stop talking, all of a sudden, God begins the conversation with me. In whatever situation you're facing with friends or family members that's going on at your school or in your workplace or whatever is happening, when you stop talking, God begins to speak. And all of a sudden, you gain wisdom, you gain insight, you begin to get his understanding, you see things differently. Prayer is this two-way conversation that happens between you and God. Now, without preaching an entirely different message, I want to give you really quick, because a lot of people, as I've preached messages like this, they've said, Aaron, I don't know how to hear God's voice. You're talking about me stop talking, and how do I know when God starts talking? How do I know that it's really God saying that? How do I know that it's the voice of God? So let me give you a few quick things. The first way that you want to hear God's voice in your life is you open up his word. You truly want to hear him speak, you open up his word. That's why we're doing what we're doing, reading through the book of James together, because this is God speaking to us, church. This is God talking to us. It's him saying, here's what I want you to know. Here's the words that I have given you. So you open up his word. You pray that his spirit will speak to you from that. And you begin to read how he wants you to live, what it means to have a relationship with him. That's what the word of God does. If you truly want to hear his voice, it's as simple as this. Open up his word and read what he's written to you. The second thing is, I just call this the idiot test. It works for me, okay? I'm praying. I know you probably don't think I ever do this, but I get mad at people, okay? And I'm praying, God, I'm mad at this person. They've done something to wrong me, God. They frustrated me. They need to make this right. God, you need to do something to get their attention. You need to do something for them. And all of a sudden, in the middle of my prayer, God interrupts me. I stop talking, and I hear this voice. Aaron, you need to go ask forgiveness of them. God, you didn't hear me right. They've wronged me. Like, they've done this against me. Maybe you're not understanding, okay? The drive through window isn't working here, God. Okay, and so I try to clarify, and God says, no, Aaron, I want you to go to them. I want you to make it right with them. And this is the idiot test. Would Satan tell me to do that? Probably not, okay? He's destroying relationships. He wants to break down relationships. Would I tell myself to do that? Nope, I'm a selfish person, you guys, okay? I don't like things like that. Wait, that only leaves one other option. That must be God's spirit. must be him challenging me to get out of my comfort zone to listen to what his word says when he says, hey, if someone has an offense against you, you go to them and you apologize, you make it right. See, it's God speaking to me from his word. It's his spirit. Now I'm telling you, I've done this thing for almost 21 years. You may have, I've never heard an audible voice from God, okay? There's never been a loud voice coming from the heavens that has spoken to me. It's always been this inner voice inside of my heart that lines up with his word, that lines up with his character, 
that directs me what I should do. And the enemy wants to lie to me and say, Aaron, that's just your own thoughts. You're making that up. But I know it's not me. I'm not like that, you guys. It's God's spirit leading me, guiding me, directing me, giving me that next step of where I need to go and what he wants for my life. It's that same way with you. Church, prayer is this two-way conversation. And this is what James is talking about. Don't forget, make prayer an essential part of your life. So what does prayer look like? As he goes on, what does he say? Hey, if there's someone sick among you, pray for them. Someone's got sin in their life, pray for them. As he closes this, even beyond the scripture that we read, he says that the prayer, it's gonna save that person. It's gonna do something eternally for them. You're gonna snatch their life away from the enemy. Pray, pray, pray. In these prayers, he starts with the first one. You've got something going on in your life, pray. But then every prayer after that, it isn't about you, church. See, your prayers shouldn't just be about you. As James is writing here, he's reminding them, he starts off, yeah, you pray about what's going on in your life, but then it goes beyond that. Your prayers start to include other people. You know someone that's struggling physically? You spend time praying for them, church. You know of a need that's going on in someone else's life? You have a friend in your group here at the church or in your workplace? You know of someone else that's struggling in their marriage? You pray for them. As they're confessing that to you, as they tell you what's going on in their life, you spend time praying about what is happening. James is reminding the church, don't let your prayers just be all about you. Now, if you've been around kids or you've taken care of kids, had kids of your own, it's cute when they're little. One of their first words is mine, right? And you laugh. There's their sippy cup. There's their blanket. It's mine, me blanket, or however they say that as a little kid, right? And it's cute, but as they get older, you tell them to share, right? I mean, it'd be weird as an adult to walk up and be like, me cup, right? Or me food, me car, right? It's no longer cute as an adult, you guys. And that's what James is reminding the church of. Hey, as you grow up spiritually, church, as you become more mature, your faith with God begins to develop. You begin to walk and move forward in your life with Christ. Your prayers are no longer just me prayers. They're no longer just about you. It's a part, I'm still asking God for what's going on in my life, but it's not consuming every part of my prayer life. I begin to pray for others around me. That's what James is reminding the church. Don't spend all of your prayer time just on yourself, church. Begin to list other things. Begin to cry out for other people's needs. What's going on in their life? Lift that up before God. Have a conversation with God about that. What's taking place in the life of others? Don't just be consumed by yourself. The Bible talks about this over and over when it talks about prayer. Paul, another writer in the New Testament, talks about this idea. Hey, pray for government leaders. Pray for officials. And the church is going through persecution and he's saying, hey, pray for those people that are throwing you in prison. Pray for those people that are doing wrong against you. Pray that God would help them and that their eyes would be open. In church, in a culture where it's so easy to go on Facebook and mark, this is why I support this politician. This is why this guy is so horrible. How many of us have stopped and actually prayed for our leaders? Prayed for those people. We're all commenting how horrible the election is going to be because of one thing or another. How many of us have followed the advice of the Bible and not just lifted up our needs? We've gotten on our knees and begin to pray. It's so easy to complain. It's so easy to make a Facebook post. How many of us have talked to the one person who can actually change things, you guys? 
We have to be praying. That's what James is saying. Don't let it all just be about yourself. Begin to lift up the needs of others. Begin to cry out for your brothers and sisters, people in this church that are struggling with sin in their life. Begin to lift them up that God would make them stronger, that their faith would be strengthened. Church, your prayer life cannot be all about you. It can't just be me prayers. You have to begin to pray for other people's, for other people. And then James ends with this idea. He gives them this picture of Elijah. He was a man, this man was a prophet who had a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. And the people that he's writing to, in case you're unfamiliar with the Bible, they would have known who Elijah was. Elijah was this prophet in the Old Testament. He declared the word of the Lord to the people of God. He spoke out what it was that God was wanting to tell the people. And during the time where Elijah lived, the people of God had turned away from the one true God. Their king, King Ahab, had directed their hearts to other gods. They began to worship a god named Baal, and they erected false idols and false temples, these other places of worship. They would sacrifice their kids and do these abhorrible things to try to earn the favor of this false god. And Elijah was this man who stood up and said, no, turn your heart back to the one true God. And he would pray for his people. He would pray for the people that he was speaking to, the people that God had placed over him. Now, in case you're getting in your mind this old kind of feeble guy who was a prophet who had long gray hair and kind of this long beard and who was feeble and kind of crumpled over, that's not who Elijah was. See, in the Bible, we're given a different picture. This is a manly man, okay? This guy is bulky. He's a survivalist, so he's out in the extreme wilderness. He's eating locusts and honey, okay? So he's eating these large insects. He's just living off the land. I'm assuming he's got bee stings from trying to get the honey. Maybe he's wrestled a bear or two when he was really hungry, right, to get some honey. I mean, this guy's aggressive, right? He's dressed in camel hair, this leather belt. I mean, when you walk up to this guy, he is a sight to be seen. He's fierce, and that's how he prayed. That's how he prayed. See, he's praying for the people whose hearts are turned towards false gods, and he's asking God, get their attention. And it comes to the place where he says, okay, people, you want to trust in other gods, you want to trust in false idols and in things that aren't real, you trust them for your provision. God's withholding the rain for three and a half years. And he prays this prayer, and for three and a half years, it doesn't rain. All of a sudden, the people begin to question, wait, maybe we've worshipped something that isn't real. This isn't working in our lives. This isn't playing out. We don't have God's favor anymore. And after three and a half years, they come to this mountaintop called Mount Carmel, and Elijah faces off against these false prophets. They can't do anything. And in one simple prayer, God sends down fire from heaven and consumes the sacrifice, consumes the altar. And then Elijah says, it's going to rain again. Israel, God's got your attention. It's going to rain again because it's at his word. Because there's one true God, and if you're willing to serve him, he's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. He is the one real God. And at the word of Elijah, through this simple prayer, it begins to rain after three and a half years. And James is saying, your prayers are powerful, church. Pray aggressively. Pray in faith. Pray believing that God is going to hear what it is that you're asking for him, church. You have a family member. You have a friend that is far away from God. You have someone that like the people of God had turned away and there was something else at the center of their life. You know someone like that? 
It's not going to come about through wishful thinking that they're going to return to God. No, it comes from you getting on your knees and praying, calling out early in the morning, late at night. God, get a hold of their heart. God, do something to get their attention. That's what James is saying. you got to pray like a prophet. You have to pray intensely, fervently. God, turn their heart back to you. Holy Spirit, speak to them. Do what I can't do on my own. God, show them something. It wasn't just about it not raining. It was about the people's hearts turning back towards God. James is saying, you've got to pray like a prophet. Pray, church. Pray. Pray. And that's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to ask you if you would bow your head and close your eyes in this room. And I just want to ask if there's anyone here this morning. Maybe you've come to church. Maybe you're new. Maybe you've come for some amount of time now to NCC. But this morning, your heart is being opened and you realize you can't do this on your own. Maybe for the first time, you're realizing that there is a God who wants a relationship with you. Who's not out to get you, but who has given himself to restore that broken relationship with you. And this morning, you want a fresh start in your relationship with God. This morning, you can have that. Right now, if that's you, I want you to stand up right where you're at and to come forward. The Bible says that Jesus has given his life so that you can know what it means to be in God's family, so that your sins can be forgiven. If that's you this morning, you're here and you know that you need that fresh start with God. You're here and you know you need a relationship with God. You need him to work in your life. If that's you, would you just stand up right where you're at and come forward? I want to pray for you. Anyone at all, we'll just wait just one moment. I don't want you to miss this opportunity. If God is speaking to your heart, you know that's you. Don't be embarrassed. Come forward this morning. He wants to touch you. He wants to give you a fresh start. for you. Church, I'm going to ask if you would pray this prayer with me, whether you're saying it for the first time or whether you, you've prayed it before. Jesus, I come to you. I ask you to work in my life. I want that brand new start. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Forgive my sins and give me a fresh start. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together? Hey, hey, they're going to go pray with you real quick, okay? Okay, yep. Amen. Now, church, we're going to do this because we want to respond to what James has said. We're going to take a few moments and we're going to pray in this room. Because for some of you, you may need that kind of jump start to your week. Maybe you're not in the habit of doing this. And so we're going to make it really simple in this room right here this morning. We're going to just spend about a minute on five things and we're just going to pray for them. There's going to be things on the screen. You can go ahead and put up the first one. We're going to do what James says and we're going to pray a prayer of confession. 
This is vital to our spiritual growth. It doesn't matter if you're just starting off with God or if you've been serving God for 20 or 30 years, there's still things in our life that we need to say, God, deal with me about this. God, this is right here and I I need you to deal with this sin. I need you to cut this away. I need you to make me new. And so let's just do this 30 seconds, a minute, right here, right where you're at. Even right now as I'm talking, you can begin to do that. What is it this week? What has God done in your life? Right now, just begin to confess that, God, I come to you. You see the things going on this week. My wrong attitudes, God. God, the temptations. Holy Spirit, remove them, God. I'm sorry for the moments where I haven't served you, God. I'm sorry for the times, Lord, where I've let other things in, God, other thoughts, God, that do not reflect your character. And this morning, I just confess those things. I want you to be first in my life. I want you to be first in my life, God. Remove the sin. Next church, we're gonna pray for our city. We're gonna do what Paul says. I know there's different communities represented here, so whatever your community is, just begin to lift that up. Your mayor, your city council members, broken families that are there in your city, whatever city you're from, just begin to cry that out. Call those names out, call those people out. God, we pray for our leadership, God. Lord, I pray for the leader of the city of Mesquite, God. I pray for council members, God. I pray for wisdom, Lord. God, let them act in justice, Lord. Let them make decisions that are right, God. That, Lord, they would lead people towards you, God. Families that are broken, families without hope, God, that desperately need you, Lord. We are praying, God, for hope to be restored in our city, Lord. We are praying, God, that your spirit would do what we cannot do on our own, God. Begin to move in this place, Lord. Begin to move in this place. Use your people, God, to go out and to change our communities. We believe that, God. Church, next, we're going to pray for our partners. Let's just do that. Let's spend about a minute just lifting them up. In Tanzania, Nick Stuva, Eric Porter, that's right here in the United States, Mesquite Social Services, One Hope, that's all around the world. Our back to school fair that's coming up in August. Our partnering schools, let's begin to pray for those. God, we ask that, Lord, right now, God, that all those partnerships begin to move in those, Lord. God, I lift up Nick Stuva's family. God, I lift up Eric Porter and the Noah family. God, I'm praying, Lord, that you would move, God, in Danny Noah's life, Lord, as he's in those schools, use him, God, to minister. God, as we prepare in August for the back-to-school fair, God, open up people's hearts, Lord. As we see thousands of people come from the community, let them know your love, God. Let them know your hope, God. As we give them resources, let there be an eternal change that happens inside of them, God. I pray for all of our partnering schools, God, for teachers and educators that are here in our church, Lord. Help us to go out and to reach our students, Lord, to make a difference. God, I pray that, Lord. Church, we're gonna pray for the lost. You have family members, you have friends that are far away from God, that do not right now have a relationship with God, and we're just gonna spend a few seconds just lifting them up. You don't have to say it out loud, but right now just begin to speak out their name in your heart, begin to pray for them, that God, wherever they are at, that he would get a hold of them, Lord. God, I lift them up this morning, Lord. 
God, I'm desperately praying, get a hold of them, Lord. When my words can't do anymore, God, when I can't say anything else, God, I'm praying for your salvation and your love to break through his heart, God, to speak life and truth into him, God, that you would speak that this morning, Lord, wherever he is at, God, whatever he is doing, Lord, that you would get a hold of him, Father. God, do it this morning, Lord. I'm believing that your salvation, God, your redemption, your love, God, that can reach beyond any distant, Lord, this morning. God, let him know your love, Father. Let him know your love, God. I'm believing for that. I'm believing for that. Church, before we're dismissed this morning, we're gonna pray for one more thing, and that's each other. The word of God says this, that we're encouraged to lift up one another. And so I'm gonna ask you to do that. I don't want this to be weird this morning, but if you're sitting next to someone you know, you're here, would you just turn to them? And would you just say, hey, is there something I can pray for you about? If you're here by yourself and it feels a little weird, you can just pass on it. But if you're here with someone, would you just right now just turn to maybe the person next to you, just begin to pray for them, ask them if there's anything specific, allow them to pray for you. We're gonna take about a minute and do this right now. So I wanna encourage you, just begin to do that. Church, I'm going to pray for us this morning, just one more time. God, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for this series where you've reminded us, God, Lord, about what you're doing in our life, Lord, about our faith, God, and just even today about how we pray, Lord. And I'm asking for this. God, let us be a people that spend time talking with you. God, let us lift up our nation and leaders and other people around us. God, help us to be a church. Lord, that this church is built on prayer, God, that we're willing to come to you. Lord, we're lifting up not only needs in our own life, Lord, but needs of those around us. God, we want to be people that see you working and see your power demonstrated in prayer. God, we're asking this in your name. Amen.